0: Good morning church today will be a different kind of worship we are going to go through quite a few readings and quite a few prayers as we invite the holy spirit to guide us through this year that'll start after the next song first that's brilliant let's say a prayer to bless the day i'm going to ask you to stand and then remain standing for the next song our father in heaven we are a people who crave control we want control over the schedule. We want control over our lives and their direction. We want control over what we watch and what we see and who we talk to. And We realize it is risking losing control when we ask you to take control of our lives and of our church and its direction, its speed, and what you want it to do and to be in this community. But we ask you who are wiser than all of us put together by far, to take control of our church, of our lives, and use them in a way that brings great glory to your name and to the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Fill this room. Fill our hearts. Help us to get ourselves out of the way so that people can see Jesus wherever we are. In the name of Jesus, the whole church says, for the rest of you, this service was originally designed to take place on the 29th December just before the new year rolled, and then I got the flu, and they uh, nobody else wanted to do it, so they shoved it forward. So here we are. Our year doesn't officially start till now, all right? It's, it's amazing the way that we all agreed when our years are. You know, the page turns on a calendar, corks are popped of non-alcoholic cider and loved ones are are kissed and uh, 2019 rolls into 2020 we won't write that on our checks for quite some time but it did it's an arbitrary point chosen by people long dead for reasons that really aren't that interesting to most of us but we know that time passes you get to a certain age and the days crawl but the years fly by And it's only right that we build some time into our cultural agreements that say, stop, reflect, reset, and then be ready to move on. That needs to be built also into our church's culture. But before we go to that next section, let's have a prayer for our offering. Our Father in heaven, what we own is yours. Who we are is yours. Thank you for letting us be a part of what you are doing in the world. Thank you for not doing it all yourself, but slowing down so that we can learn the lessons of how to be more like our Father and our Savior. Thank you for your Spirit who guides us with such patience. Bless the funds collected, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would start, please. I want to... Disabuse you of any fears if some of you are thinking. Oh, they're about to make some major changes and are getting us all set up No No, that's not what this is I've had people ask me before not for a long time because you you know me well But first few years I was here people would say now. What's your agenda? Where are you going to and I would just shrug because I have no idea where God's going but I do want to go with him when he goes I don't want to go faster than him, and I don't want to go slower, and I certainly don't want to go in a different direction. And I think that's true of all of you, is it not? So relax. We're not setting you up for major changes. What we're saying is, God, whatever you do, we want to be a part of it. So let us remain close to your side. So as we reflect, as we flip the calendar page, where are we going and to what end in the new year our church has dedicated itself to discover who we are there was a time we were a traditional church and then we became not a traditional church and for too long that was actually our identity is our identity was a negative we're not what we were And then we began to form a new identity in 4th Avenue. I believe I can say this with utmost confidence. 4th Avenue is known for its love and for its open arms. But is there more that God wants from us? What is our place in this universe? What is your place individually and as a part of the believing community? What is your place here with God? So we've decided we'll be studying the wisdom books of Ecclesiastes and then Job. Ecclesiastes because it's a wise man wondering about not knowing what's going on and what the meaning of life is, and that sounds pretty much like most of us. Job, because it's our oldest story in Scripture, it's it's written so long ago, it's a universal story of trying to find our place in the universe. And where we are in relationship to where the Creator is and who He is. And then we will move to the book of Revelation. We're going to see what God's battle plan for the universe is. And by that time, maybe we'll even know our own part to play in it. I'm going to ask you to each Sunday bring your Bibles, whether in print or on your phones. But be ready for some heavy lifting. This is going to require daily prayers for wisdom for all of us. But the good news is, God said he will give wisdom to those who ask. Jesus' brother, James, has something to say. In James chapter 1, if we'd put that up, please. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask... You must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. When we absorb these words, we are ready then for treatise on wisdom that God gives us in a book called Proverbs. Wisdom is not just a concept in scripture. It's a thing. It's a real person. In the book of Proverbs, This wisdom is described as a woman. And we are told, the sons of God in Proverbs are told, listen to what this woman says. And she opens the book of Proverbs with a call and a warning.
1: Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I will turn, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but I will not find them since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of
0: harm. Amen. Once this concept is established, the writer returns to this theme in Proverbs chapter 8.
2: Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud, to you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her.
0: Amen. God speaks through the Proverbs here and says, and that's important We remember, these are not just reading words, these are words God gave us, Wisdom was present with him at the beginning, and if you stop and watch for it, you will see wisdom along the way. Proverbs 8 again, starting at verse 22.
3: The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth when there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth, before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind.
0: Amen. When we go back to Proverbs, That book of collected wisdom gathered for the sons of Israel at the time. That's why it sounds so male-centric. It also could be why the writer made sure his sons knew wisdom was a female name. So that they would show some respect. There's some plain instruction followed by promises, a warning, and then a promise. Let's look at this. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. I will love those who love me, and those who seek me will find me. By the way, that's a promise we're grabbing onto here. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me, and making their treasuries full. Then this, leave your simple ways and you will live, walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. That's Twitter there. (laughs) Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Ditto. Do not rebuke mockers, or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise, and they'll love you. Instruct the wise, and they'll be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you're wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. What an amazing set of passages for us. In the Bible, it's still true, by the way, in our language and our definitions of our terms, there's a very big difference between wisdom and knowledge. And yet I find that when I talk to people, very often they've got them confused. They don't understand that they're two completely separate things. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. Knowledge, you can have so much knowledge and be completely unwise, or as Proverbs would say, a fool, even with your knowledge. You can have great amounts of education and have no wisdom. I have met eighth grade dropouts whose wisdom staggered me with its depth and power. And I have met many post-grad's degree people whose wisdom seemed completely lacking, and sometimes I've met that man in a mirror. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what you have and what you know. Wisdom is not wishing. Wisdom is motion, action. Not motion for motion's sake. When you hear that phrase, we have to do something, shiver. Because that's not, no, we have to have something to do. Something we know needs done. And then wisdom maps out the wise path forward. And notice in Proverbs that moving forward doesn't mean the same to God as it does to us. Our treasuries will be full, but we're told it will be better than gold and silver. He has a different set of metrics. A different set of goals. He is not looking for you to become physically rich, financially rich, or always healthy. He is looking for you to be righteous and to reflect the glory of the Almighty God. We are at this church collectively as a body seeking wisdom from God so that we may honor Him, live for Him, and bring Him into our world as He brings us into His. The wisdom literature that we are going to be studying and reading together are going to require some shifts in our worldview. I know that because every single time I read these books in Scripture, I have to some shifting to make in my own attitude, my own actions, even my own schedule and my own plans. Because it requires, when you confront wisdom, the wisdom of God, it requires a change in the person we're going to ask a prayer but before we do that this is a time we're going to let the, the children go down to children's church because I've asked one of our shepherds Tony Simmons to offer a shepherd's prayer asking the Holy Spirit to enter what we say and do from here on out this morning Tony I think we're ready
2: would you pray with me please Father we praise you this morning and we thank you for this special time that we can come together with our church family and with people we love so dearly and father we pray that everything that we do and say will be a sweet aroma to you father you are the god of wonders and miracles and father we desire to feel and experience more of your presence but father so often our words fail us and we don't know what to do Uh, but father your word tells us that when we don't know what to do that the spirit will intercede for us and groan with words that we cannot express so father this morning we are just asking that you groan with us father we are longing for more of your goodness, Father, as dry ground longs for water. So Father, pour into us, pour into this dry ground and saturate us with you because we want to feel more of your presence. Father, you tell us that we don't have because we don't ask or who of your children would ask for bread and receive a stone. So Father, we are crying out this morning For the only bread that will satisfy our hunger, Father, fill us up with who you are. Come, Holy Spirit, give us wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above, that is pure, that is joyful, that is loving, that is honorable. Father, give us understanding so that we will know and speak truth, Father. Help us be strong and courageous come holy spirit give us counsel to illuminate your will father we want your will to shine come holy spirit give us fortitude father help us resist the desires of the flesh and take up our cross and follow you come holy spirit give us knowledge father so that we can see things from an eternal perspective come holy spirit give us piety father give us a reverence for you Father, a total reliance on you. Come, Holy Spirit, give us fear. Father, because we want to worship you in wonder and awe. Because fear is the foundation of wisdom. Father, we just ask right now that you breathe the fire of the Holy Spirit into this place. And Father, we know that the enemy will come and try to steal and destroy. But Father, we just pray that you bind that enemy. We know that you have a table prepared for us, Father, in the presence of our enemies. And we want to come to that abundant feast, Father, that you have prepared, that you want to serve with with your own hands, Father. So we just pray that that enemy is not welcome at the table. Father, we are the stone and you are the carver. Carve us into the image that you want us to be. Father, in Romans 15, it says, May God, the source of hope, Fill us completely with joy and shalom as we continue worshiping and trusting so that we may have the power of the Ruach HaKodesh so that we may overflow with hope. Father, give us your words that is sweeter than honey and more powerful and more valuable than gold. We want it on our lips. We want it on our children's lips, and we want it on our children's children's lips. Father, this is our prayer, and we will wait expectantly for you.
0: In the name of Jesus
2: Christ, I pray.
0: Just for your information, the script with all of the readings and with the slides that are about to come up and with the long prayer that's about to come up will be available online right there with the podcast, and you can print that out if you would like to go over some of this on your own. But at this point in the service, I'd like to introduce you to a fascinating person. She's not here. That's not that kind of introduction. This is an introduction to a woman that most people have never heard of, but who gave us a a template for what we need to do. Her name was Edith Stein, and she was born in Germany in 1891 to an observant Jewish family, very strict Jews. However, As she grew and the horrors of World War I ravaged the land, she lost her faith. She turned away from God, became an atheist. She was a brilliant woman. She studied and became a nurse, then went on to get a doctorate in philosophy. In the course of her studies, for reasons that I've not really found clear, but must have had something to do with the Holy Spirit She read the works of a Carmelite nun, Teresa Avila, and she was convinced by those writings of the deity of Jesus. Around that time, the National Socialist Government of Germany, we usually slam that down to one little word saying Nazi, they passed a law saying that all civil servants, and that required that I'm sorry, that included teachers had to have an Aryan certificate, which meant that they were blood pure from any impure or lower races, such as Jews. She couldn't pass that bar, being a Jew by birth, so she lost her teaching position. She decided to double down on her dedication to God, and became, she became a nun in the very strict order called the Discalced Carmelite. Um, Nuns, they they are a very strict group. You can look them up and see what they go through. But she devoted her life to the teaching of the Holy Spirit, serving others, showing them the power of Jesus and the love of the Father. That year was 1938. And those of you who know anything about history know what is about to come. So did she. She saw the storm clouds coming, but her courage was astounding. Her order, her, her, um, the Carmelite nuns, didn't want her to be killed and they knew that Germany would be coming for her, so they sent her to the Netherlands as a precaution, but the Nazis took that country in 1940. She knew she would not survive the war, So she prepared herself for death. But before, before that would come, she wrote a letter to the Pope, her boss, Pope Pius, and called upon the leaders of the Catholic Church to step up and speak against the outrage of antisemitism and racial discrimination. This is a large portion of reading from her letter Please remember, this is a nun writing to the Pope and admonishing him. I, would li- I cannot express how rare this is. As a child of the Jewish people, who, by the grace of God, for the past 11 years, has also been a child of the Catholic Church, I dare to speak to the father of Christianity about that which oppresses millions of Germans. For weeks, we have seen deeds perpetuated in Germany which mock any sense of justice and humanity, not to mention love of neighbor. For years, the leaders of National Socialism have been preaching hatred of the Jews, but the responsibility must fall, after all, on those who brought them to this point, and it also falls on those who keep silent in the face of such happenings everything that happened and continues to happen on a daily basis originates with a government that calls itself christian for weeks not only jews but also thousands of faithful catholics in germany and i believe all over the world have been waiting and hoping for the church of christ that means the universal church to raise its voice to put a stop to this abuse of christ's name is not this idolization of race and governmental power which is being pounded into the public consciousness by the radio open heresy, isn't the effort to destroy Jewish blood and abuse of the holiness, holiest humanity of our Savior, of the Most Blessed Virgin and the Apostles. Is not all of this diametrically opposed to the conduct of our Lord and Savior, who even on the cross still prayed for his persecutors? And isn't this a black mark on the record of this holy year, which was intended to be a year of peace and reconciliation? We all, who are faithful children of the church, and who see the conditions in Germany with open eyes, fear the worst for the prestige of the church, if the silence continues any longer. If you know history, you know that Pope Pius remained silent. And historians to this day argue and write books back and forth on how complicit was he, if he was complicit. Some believe he was friends with Hitler and the groups. Others say he was a secret enemy. I cannot make such a judgment. What I can just say is that the church made no statement. But I want to qualify that. The church in Rome made no statement. Lutherans stepped up and died for it. Others stepped up and died for it, and the Catholic Church, to be honest and to be fair, the Catholic Church in the Netherlands, the bishops wrote a letter backing up Eda Stein's letter and calling upon the church to move. But it did not. Eda Stein was a target because she was not only a Jew, but also a Catholic nun, they came for her. The Nazis rounded up 243 baptized Jews, including her, and sent them to Auschwitz. One of the administrators recognized her in the death line. You would be separated when you came off the train. I think most of you know this. Into those that could work and those that were just to be immediately killed. And she was in the death line. And one of the administrators came to her because he was a believer And he knew her. He was being forced to work here. He said, I can get you out of the death line. Work with me. I can get you a place, a job. She refused. You see, for years, she had already been praying for the Holy Spirit to help her be a witness. And the word for witness in Scripture is martyr. For years, She would not use heat when the winter came. She would not seek to cool in the summer's heat. She allowed herself to suffer, eating poor food, living in harsh conditions, because she knew if she was true to her God, she would die in the camps. So she asked for wisdom and for the Holy Spirit to give her strength for when that day would come. And the day came. Albert Lemons, our our brother and one of our most esteemed and beloved members, introduced me to Edith Stein and the prayer. He's got it framed at his house. He even offered to bring it. And I said, as soon as you do, somebody's going to kick it and it's going to fall over. So don't do that. Instead, let's have our people, our young and our old, read her prayer. This prayer is known... To be, have been written the night before she went into the fires, into the showers, into the death camp. Uh, well, she was already in death camp, you know what I mean, into the enclosure to be killed. By this time, she was not known as Edith Stein. She was known as Saint Teresa, or Saint soon, Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. I've asked seven of our members actually more than that we've split a couple of these to read the sections of the prayer they will read the prayer and at the end of each section there will be a line that says lord hear our prayer in the ancient church prayer was not always done or even often done with closed eyes looking down one person doing it but rather prayer was considered a part of the conversation and you spoke to each other about the needs and celebrations and concerns. And at the end of the conversation, there'd be a pause and the people would all say together, Lord, hear our prayer. Please listen and then engage as we hear the prayer that Edith Stein wrote the night before her death.
1: Who are you, sweet light, that fills me? and illumines the darkness of my heart. You lead me like a mother's hand, and should you let go of me, I would not know how to take another step. You are the space that embraces my being and buries it in yourself. Away from you, it sinks into the abyss of nothingness from which you raised it to the light. You, nearer to me than I to myself, and more interior than my most interior and still impalpable and intangible and beyond any name. Holy Spirit, eternal love. Lord, hear our prayer.
3: Are you not the sweet manna that from the Son's heart overflows into my heart? The food of the angels and the blessed? He who raised himself from death to life, he who also awakened me to new life from the sleep of death, and he gives me new life from day to day. And if sometimes his fullness is a stream through me, life of your life indeed, you yourself, Holy Spirit, eternal life. Lord, hear our prayer. Are you the ray that flashes down from the eternal judge's throne and breaks into the night of the soul that is never known itself? Mercifully,
0: relentlessly, it penetrates hidden folds, alarmed at seeing itself. The self makes space for holy fear, the beginning of that wisdom that comes from on high and anchors us firmly in the heights. Your action that creates us anew, Holy Spirit, all-penetrating ray. Lord, hear us.
3: Are you the Spirit's fullness and the power by which the Lamb releases the seal of God's eternal decree? Driven by you, the messengers of judgment, ride through the world and separate with a sharp sword the kingdom of light from the kingdom of night. Then heaven becomes new and new the earth and all finds its proper place through your breath. Holy Spirit, victorious power. Lord, hear our prayer. Are you the master who builds the eternal cathedral, which towers from the earth through the heavens? Animated by you, the columns are raised high and stand immovably firm. Marked with the eternal name of God, they stretch up to the light, bearing the dome which crowns the holy cathedral, your work that encircles the world. Holy Spirit, God's fashioning hand. Lord, hear our prayer.
4: As I continue this prayer, I have this word from God. I am told that 150 years ago, a Native American female, an Indian woman who ever saw her reflection, stood over a pool of clear water and saw her face. From the Holy Spirit, when God looks into your heart and looks upon your face, he sees his own reflection. That's what this module is, one of the most difficult things I've ever done. Are you the one, the unclouded mirror, next to the Almighty's throne, like a crystal sea, in which divinity lovingly looks at itself. You bend over the fairest work of your creation, and radiantly your own gaze is illumined in return. And of all creatures, the pure beauty is joined in one, in the dear form of the Virgin, your Immaculate Bride, Holy Spirit, Creator of all, Lord Hear our prayer.
3: Are you the sweet song of love and of holy awe that eternally resounds around the triune throne, that weds itself the clear chimes of each and every being, the harmony that joins together the members to the head, in which each one finds the mysterious meaning of his being blessed and joyously surges forth, freely dissolved in your surging. Holy Spirit, eternal jubilation. Lord, hear our prayer.
4: The papers that survived that ordeal tell us that the hours before this, she would take out damp cloth to wipe the brow of other mothers who saw their children being killed. And she took her sister, Rosa by the hand, and said, come, <laughs> let's go die for our people.
0: Edith Stein is now known by a new name and even by that day she was known as Teresia Benedicta Acruce, Teresa Benedict of the Cross. Whenever they were put back into the line to be marched into the gas chambers those weeping around her saw her smiling and she turned down one last chance to escape the line and she put her arms around them and with a smile said come let us die for him together because of her witness, we see that asking the Holy Spirit into your life doesn't necessarily mean all rainbows and puppies. It can mean martyrdom. But I will stand before you and tell you that is better than riches if that's where God needs you to be. I do not foresee any dark clouds on the horizon. I'm no prophet. But what I would love to do is to be part of a community that continually says Lord what next where do we go now I've told you before a story I'm going to tell you again but before I tell you again I'm going to ask our readers if you would go to the back to prepare to serve communion and shepherds if you would just kind of monitor that to see if they need anyone to fill in the gaps I'm not sure how many we need so have a look there and I thank all of our readers. They did a magnificent job. and it's, I know some of them have never read in public before, and they did wonderfully. The story I told you is, is not so much a story as a reality about myself. I have worked with churches for a long time, and that means sometimes you work with teens because they want you there too. And I love teens, so don't get me wrong, that's not where this is going. It's I don't love theme parks. And I've, I've caught myself there before or been caught there because my uh, willingness to be martyred, I guess, by standing in the lines or whatever that is. But of all the things in the theme park that I don't care for, the thing I care for least are roller coasters. I don't get the concept. Why am I paying money for you to make me sick and frightened? That seems odd and perhaps psychologically unhealthy. But if you've ever been on a roller coaster, You know that moment when you sit and the bar goes clunk. Oh, dear. There seems not to be a release handle on my side. It also doesn't seem to be tight enough. I would like some packing peanuts, please. And directions to the restroom on this thing. And then it begins to move and you have no power. Over where you're going to ride this until it's done. Every morning when I wake up, I hear the bar go clunk. I have no idea what God's got planned. But I know whether it's beautiful or terrifying or both, I'm here till it's done. And while God has frightened me and God has put some miles on my body and mind, He has blessed me beyond measure. And he will do the same to all of us who will present ourselves and say, you're in charge. I will ride whatever ride you want me to ride. Think of the power of a church full of people just standing up saying, we're ready, God. What do you want? That's what we're asking you to pray about as we go through this year of deep study in wisdom literature. As we take this bread We remember the body of Christ. We thank him for his sacrifice. And we acknowledge all who believe in Jesus as our brothers and sisters. We look upon him not only as Savior, but also as Lord. And therefore we obey our Christ. As we take this bread, dear Father, make us one indeed, not just in word. It is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. And together, Lord, hear our prayer. As we take the cup, we remember the blood of Christ. There are, if you look up in Christian history, they will say that Stephen in Acts 7 was the first of the, the Christian martyrs. But you know, that's actually not true. Jesus was the first Christian martyr. He's the first one who shed his blood. And by doing so, forgave us of our sins, yes, but also adopted us into his family, paid our debts, and defeated death. The reason Edith Stein could prepare for death for years and then go with her arm around the beloved ones smiling to death is because Christ defeated death. And she knew When our eyes closed, they would open in a better place, free of the politics and the wars and the hatred and the racism. We believe the same. Therefore, we can live like no one else because we have the knowledge and the assurance that we never die. Our bodies will drop, but Jesus defeated death and he will take us home. Father, we take this cup in remembrance of Almighty God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We invite your presence. Remember us and help us to remember you as we take. In the name of Jesus, amen. Lord, hear our prayer. The benediction. Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant us this light, enkindled in our hearts, that it may shine forth in our lives through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. And the whole church says, Amen. Amen. Go in peace.